Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank. I'm glad to be here with you tonight. Um, I'm excited about the message this evening we're going to talk about. Um, I realize um, today in so much, this week was just absolutely horrible in, in just news and, and all the evil. And and I, I just can hardly bear it listening to the just absolute wickedness. I was listening earlier to a, a lady who was... um. She was detransitioning. Uh, she had switched to a male, and the, and the horrors that she was going through from her mental illness when they convinced her she needed to do this, and then later on realized it was a horrible mistake. But my heart just broke, and and just folks, I know so often we see just the utter evil and wickedness, but my my heart's broken for these people. Some of them, they're. They've been coaxed. They, they've needed somebody to nurture them in their mental uh, problems and issues. And and instead, they encouraged them to, to go down a path so vile and so wicked. I thank God for rescuing people back out of this life. But folks, you can see how dangerous a path we're on. And, you know, last week, um, I was uh, with my daughter. It's my family, excuse me. And I was... Doing a presentation last weekend at a church and um, about the gods of Egypt, how uh, all the plagues that God was sending was directed at the gods of Egypt, and it was a polemic against them. He was showing them who was in charge and who was the one true God. And uh, it, as I began to look deeper into this story, I began to understand something. And I, I want to just pray for a second and let's get into this. Father, thank you so much in Yeshua's powerful name. Lord, thank you for all your blessings of protection. But I want to pray for those, Lord, who are suffering right now. Um, I want to pray for those people, Lord, who've been lied to, that they're not who God created them to be. It's from the from hell. It's from the devil. And Lord, I pray that you would rescue and use us to help share the truth that if you will turn back to your God and you'll cry to him, that he will rescue and save. And Lord, I just pray that you will give us fresh mercies upon people in this hour because, Lord, it's so easy to get hardened at the wickedness that's going on, Lord. And we got to understand there are still people out there who need Jesus. Father, bless us to be your vessels Bless me to speak, Lord, with wisdom from you, and it simply relay what's on your heart and not my flesh. In Yeshua's precious name, amen. As I began to look at what was going on and really preparing for this message down about the Egypt, Egypt and, and God uh, showing the gods, little g of Egypt, who was in charge and who controlled the water and the sky and the and the sun and everything i began to realize i have been looking at this message for so long from one direction i've been looking simply at the plagues against egypt 
to let God's people go. Now, we were looking deeper and and all the specific little G gods that he was directing all these plagues at. But then as I began to realize this wasn't just about showing the Egyptians who was God. And he did say the Lord wanted the people around the area to know who God was. Okay, that's not that's true. But this was not just about that and about freeing his people. This was for the children of Israel. You see, God was doing whatever it took to get his people under the blood. Whatever it took. And and so God was using these plagues not just against the Egyptians, but also for the benefit of his people because you see how embedded Egypt was in the believers in that day. Because you saw when they came out of Egypt, how long did it take them before they were crying to head back? It was so embedded in them. And the Lord was trying through his Passover, through those plagues, to get people under the blood. And and today I'm looking at the things that are going on here in the earth. And I'm looking at so many people whose lives are crashing down right now. And you can see the evidence of God slaying the gods of Egypt in people's lives. And you'd be like, how's that, Brother Frank? Well, sometimes things come crashing down for a reason, folks. God uses these events to strengthen us and establish us, to try us, to remove the dross from us. Because when everything's going great, we have little time for God. But when everything falls apart, it seems like we find the time for God. And it's not about being mean and angry. Because which one of us wouldn't do anything in our power to save our children? All of us would, right? We would lay our lives down for our children. No matter what the cost, we would do it. And don't you think your God's the same way? That he also will do whatever it takes to save his children? You see, your heavenly father in this world and the trials and the circumstances that have been going on, are trying to keep you and get you under the blood. Because it's when you're under the blood is when all the death of this world will pass over. And regardless if your life comes to an end, it won't matter because your soul will be safe under the blood. There is a lot of blood being shed today. There are so many issues of blood that they are trying to even impose on our people, on believers, on our children. But there is only one blood that can protect and save, and that's the blood of Yeshua, the perfect sacrificial lamb who laid down his life. And I believe many of us right now, God is working on slaying the gods of Egypt in our life. And I'm telling you right now, he's going to slay the gods of Egypt right out of the United States. Oh, yeah. You want to know our gods? Technology. That's a huge God. Money. Lust for money. Pornography. Sexual addictions. We're worse. We're worse than the most vile past history of anybody here. 
on this planet's ever. I mean, this is the we are the sickest nation in the world. And I'm listen, I serve this country as a United States Marine, and I, I don't regret any bit of it. I love the United States of America, but you know what? It's disgusting what we've become. And it's repulsive. And God is going to slay the little G gods out of this country, whether we like it or not. Because you know what? God is faithful. And he's not going to leave you. If you've made that commitment to him, he'll do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. You know, there was a businessman. He was very well known in his area for being ruthless. Mark Twain had once written about him. And this is what he said the guy had said. Before I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, this businessman said. I will climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top. That was his dream, right? Twain replied back to him. He says, I got a better idea. You can stay in Boston and keep them. What a novel idea. Your goal is to simply go over to the Holy Land. I've been to Jerusalem. I want to go down to Mount Sinai, and I've read the Ten Commandments. I bet God would appreciate it if you actually kept them. I know your neighbors would appreciate it. You know, today I'm finding so much faith out there. So many things are such vanity. Here was a man that in order to fill his religious bucket list, he was going to go to the Holy Land and climb Mount Sinai. And when he finally reached that summit, he would read the Ten Commandments out loud and everyone would know and see, I'm sure you'd take a video of it, how deeply outwardly religious zeal this man had for the Lord. I guess if it was in Twain's day, he wouldn't have taken a video, but I'm sure he would have written about it. But I mean, so what, Brother Frank? So what if he's a ruthless, unchristian businessman when he practices his business? So what if he occasionally might slander his brother and sister in church? He could have gotten great accolades tossed upon him when his story would have been told all over and the people would have known this is a man of God because he went to Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments. But the truth was, he was only a hearer of the word and not a doer. You see... There is knowledge, and there's truth, and there's knowledge of the truth. But then there are those who actually do the truth and not just have the knowledge only. You see, there are so many people right now in the remnant movement, you know, right now in the listening here in the end times movement, whatever it is, who have knowledge of the hour, but are refusing to actually do what the Lord asked us to do. But they tune into more programs, but rarely do they get out. James chapter two, starting in verse 14, says this, what doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he is hath faith, and hath not works, can faith save him? 
If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye, not, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So if someone comes up to your house or somebody you know, they're struggling, they're, they're, they're in need, and you, they come up and say, Hey, brother or sister, could you... I'm hungry. Could you help me? I'm I'm busy right now. May God fill your belly. Well, maybe God was calling you to fill their belly. You see, it's one thing to talk about reaching out and sharing the good news. It's another thing to actually do it. You know, a few weeks, I don't know, maybe it was a couple months ago, actually, um, I was walking around the neighborhood with my, not my neighborhood, because I don't really have, I live way out in nowhere, but I was in town walking around with my daughter, my youngest daughter, and her good friend, and my wife, and we were just going from door to door, knocking on people's door, sharing some things, and asking people to pray with them and different stuff, and man, I we hadn't done it in a long time, and and, and I realized so many people are suffering and it blessed my heart. And one another girl who is we've raised two other girls since they've been children. She I I remember she was going to the house and and she would she would get uh you know the first house and and they shot her down. I'm an atheist. I don't want to pre, you know pretty much just about almost shut the door, slam the door on her. You know she went to the next home and kept on the next old lady. She was a poor woman, was a shut in. Nobody ever came to visit her. And so she went and prayed with her, and she was just a little trooper that day, just sharing the good news with people. And and we have a duty to take care of our brothers and sisters. Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works, show me my show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you, show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? I find these verses so fascinating. That faith without works is dead. That's correct. Now, we're, we're not saved by works. We know that because we can't put God into a debt. Works would mean that we've worked and earned and therefore God owes. But at the same time, we we can't follow Jesus and not do anything and can't claim we're a follower. That would be just as wrong also. And so here it says, you know, we say thou believes there is one God. That's good. Even the devils believe and tremble. You know what I find so interesting about this? We don't even tremble, most of us. We don't even tremble in awe. And majesty of the Almighty God. You see, vanity of faith is so dangerous. When we speak one thing and then either do the other or do nothing at all. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, says this And Jesus returned in the power of of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. You see, Jesus, isn't that interesting? It said Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. That's, folks, when God's people are filled with the Spirit, not only will they do the things of God, 
but the power of God will flow. There, it's like this. There's two ways. Have you ever heard a been somewhere and a sermon be preached, and you're like, man, that's okay. But then you've been somewhere and there's a sermon preached. Maybe it wasn't the most dynamic in the world. Maybe it wasn't the most eloquent. But something about that message drilled so deep into your heart, it absolutely crippled you in conviction because it was driven by the spirit of the living God. Jesus walked in the spirit. He moved in the power of God. It says that he talked he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as this custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So here Jesus is in his own hometown. He's coming up, and he's ready to read, as was his custom. He went to church on Sabbath there and did what he all the people he grew up with did, and he was ready to speak. Continue in verse 17. Listen to what it says. And there was delivered unto him a book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found a place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, this is a very interesting scripture because this is also a proof positive that just because you read a whole verse doesn't mean that the Lord has to fulfill the entire verse at one time. Because what he didn't read after the part where it says preach the acceptable year of the Lord and then the day of destruction or something that effect it says, because that was yet for a couple thousand years down the road. Jesus was preaching what he was there to fulfill. The day of destruction would come later on, but at that point he was there to do all those wonderful things. But what was the problem? He was in his hometown. And it's hard sometimes in your own around your own friends and your own family and in your those that place where you grew up. It's hard sometimes, you know, people were saying, Is this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in this country. And he have said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Sometimes you got to go out of your area a little bit. That's a normal practice. But you know what? Jesus still shared even with those right in his hometown. Now, whether they chose to agree with it or not didn't matter. But sometimes it is difficult. He was just being real with us. If you look at the story over in Matthew, though, it says something else. Matthew chapter 13, verse 58 says this, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Ooh, wow. So it wasn't just that they had the prophet doesn't get any honor in his own land. The problem was they were filled full of unbelief. And when you're filled full of unbelief, the Lord doesn't move much. You see, there's a reason why so many churches are dead. 
there's a reason why so many people aren't seeing a move of God. And it's because of unbelief. Unbelief is a very dangerous thing. It's something that you don't want to mess with because God, when when unbelief begins to build up, it can become a root of bitterness in somebody because unbelief manifests itself in a loss of faith. When we somehow doubt the power of God, even though we know he moves, but we haven't seen him in a little bit, it starts to take a toll on us and it can end up in bitterness. So because they didn't believe Jesus, because they refused to accept who Jesus was, he continues with a history lesson, picking back up in chapter in verse 25. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when that great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias or Elijah sent save unto Serpta, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet. But none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. So here Jesus is trying to tell them, you know, during the days of Elijah, right, when he caused it not to rain, yeah, there are all those people of Israel and all those, but God didn't, he didn't care about all those who had all the knowledge and everything, right? He sent Elijah, right, to the widows, to this one widow specifically, right? And did that wonderful miracle and preserved her through that time. And in during the days of Elisha, right, that only one that was in Syria that was saved was Naaman. It, God has plenty of people out there who talk about having all this knowledge. And there were those in Jesus' hometown. They had been going to church every week. They had been seeing, you know, they, they thought they had all this knowledge. But when the Lord was right in front of them, they didn't want to believe. And just because you've had a lifelong of knowledge doesn't mean anything if your faith is in vain because God will go and find the widows. He'll find that one Syrian who who supposedly, you know, who, who does love the Lord. He'll find anybody out there who will follow him. And they didn't like it. Verse 28, and all they in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill wherein their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went his way. When they were confronted with the truth, brothers and sisters, instead of repenting and crying out for their unbelief, they wanted to kill Jesus. Could we possibly be the same way? I mean, how do we feel? When someone says that we ought to go out and share the gospel with someone, does that make us angry? Does that make us upset? Or does that make us desire that remind ourselves we need to be sharing the good news of Jesus? How do we feel when someone asks us to do something, serve the homeless or the poor? What goes through our hearts? When we're asked to do something for somebody else. John chapter 14. 
starting in verse 12, says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Powerful words from Jesus that we would do greater works than even he. but And they did great works in the first century church, but not all of this has been fulfilled yet. There is going to be even greater work at the very end of time. If you look at all the things Jesus did, we the first century church hasn't done all the things yet that Jesus did. He still has more works to do through us. But then he continues on. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's not only about talking about following Jesus. It's actually following him and doing what he says to do. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye Know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So here Jesus is saying, if you truly love me, if you really mean what you say, if your faith isn't just a bunch of lip service, keep my commandments. And when you actually follow what Jesus tells you, he said he will pray unto the Father and he will give you the Spirit who shall dwell within you. What a promise from God. See, as a believer, it's so easy to say, yes, Lord. Yes. But it's such another thing to go and actually do it. And I know a lot of times we get in this rut. We've been in following the Lord for our entire lives. Or I actually, since I, I've been following the Lord now since 1999, when I had my conversion from drugs, and and you you can get stale sometimes you can or you can get into a, a a rut you can you can even backslide you can have things happen, but the Lord doesn't give up on us, and He reminds us and He sends gentle reminders all along the way of what it means to actually follow Him, and actually do His will. And sometimes God, out of love for us, has to give us a Holy Ghost slap upside the head. Where, you know, it's the Lord trying to get our attention and say, hey, brother, sister, wake up. Wake up. God will do whatever it takes, even just like the children of Israel, whatever it takes to get you under the blood, the Lord will do. God is trying to wake us up. And there's not just keeping the just the Ten Commandments. What about the other things? About gossiping about our brethren, forgiving those who've done wrong to us, visiting the father of some widow, caring for the poor. What about spending time in our prayer closets, diligently seeking him and reading his word? All these things Jesus has asked us to do to draw us closer to him so that he in return will add all things unto us and we can fulfill the very desires the Lord has for us to share the good news with a dying world. You see, James says it, it's one thing to hear, but it's another thing to do. When we don't do, our faith is in vain. 
and filled full of hypocrisy. So what do we do? This is where I love the Lord because he's so merciful to us. Like I said, many of us can get stale through the years. Folks, it happens to the, don't beat yourself up because you don't, you're not where you once were. Or maybe you felt like you've gone too far away. I'm telling you right now, you have not. You're listening right now to this program. You've not gone too far, okay? The fact that you're here right now, the Lord is asking and calling you. It's time to come back. And I just love this word from the Lord, Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I will go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did did his father's will, they say unto him, The first Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots Go into the kingdom of God before you. Wow. You see, the Lord is more interested about what you're going to do now than what you've done in the past. Because it's not just, listen, in Ezekiel, you remember in Ezekiel 33 and the watchman and all this stuff when he d- cried out to them, if the, if the wicked man turns from his wicked ways, that doesn't mean that the wicked man started out always as being wicked. He's talking to his own people. They may have started out as good believers and then turned wicked. And God said, if they'll turn back, he will forgive them. And if, and if you've messed up or I've messed up or we've done something wrong and we turn back, God will forgive. It's not about what we say in the beginning so much. It's how we finish and what we say now. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did five minutes before this program. If you cry out today and ask your God to forgive you, he is faithful and just to do it. And if you've messed up, if you've backslid, if you've gotten on the wrong path, if you've done something wrong and you feel repentant of it, it's okay because your God will forgive you. All you got to do is turn back to him. It's that simple. We started the prayer and the fasting here because there is a, a, an evil and a wickedness upon the land and God is calling his people back to holiness and righteousness and we were asking the Lord as we empty ourselves every Thursday from Wednesday sundown to, sa- to Thursday sundown, we're asking the Lord as we empty to fill us with his spirit because we can't walk in our own strength in this hour. God is calling us to a deeper walk with him, to follow his ways. What's so evil about his commands? Nothing. The Bible says he wrote them in our heart so that they would be joyous. They're not burdensome. How can it be burdensome to keep the Lord's commands? It's a blessing. It makes you happy. Nobody ever is owed obedience and says, wow, man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just miserable obeying so much. That's foolish talk. There's something about walking in harmony with your God. And the Bible says the son that didn't, but then he did. The Lord enjoyed that more than those who said they would and never do. It's time to come back home. 
This world is dying. There is a conspiracy against the people of God right now. It's from the evil leaders of this nation. They don't like us. They would probably soon kill us. Our agencies spy upon us. They do all these things. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Our world is not here. Our, this is not our home. We belong to a heavenly kingdom. This earth will be made brand new one day. All that's going to be wiped away. And you know what? I don't have to worry. I don't have to take on the government. My God is going to take care of all that himself one day. The Bible says that vengeance is the Lord's. My responsibility right now, what am I supposed to do? I am to seek him, to do his will, and to share the good news with a dying world. Those are non-negotiable marching orders that you don't get to negotiate with because our God gave them to everybody. Each person can do something for the kingdom, and I've said it so many times before. I don't care if you're too old. You can't get out there and share the good news. You can pray for those who can. Everybody can do something for the Lord. And let's finish this work together. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.